but you have to have fuel. You have to have the energy to mm -hmm. give to others. If you're depleted, and that's what I used to do, let's just run ourselves ragged and then pour a bottle of wine and go to bed and do it all over again the next day. No. We are Gold Ivy, a health company dedicated to simplifying health and wellness. The industry is lacking the honest experience and grit required to overcome the struggle. And we're here to fill that gap. You decide what works for your daily life and how to transform our lessons into your gold. Join us on the fearless pursuit of self-discovery and growth. This is Ivy Unleashed, a Gold Ivy production. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. You are listening to Ivy Unleashed here with Brooke, Andrea, and a very special guest. Yes, we have Jen Williams in the house. Welcome to Ivy Unleashed. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited and oh. nervous. We're so excited. <laughs> That's totally normal. Just try and relax because we just want to talk you up, first of all, because you're just a force of a woman. Every time we talk to you, we're like, gosh, she's so Cool. Yes. And so proof cool. that the universe puts exactly who you're meant to know in your path at I the perfect agree. time. This we had true. Nikki yeah. Lemon, who was on the podcast, and we did an event at Union Fitness, which is Jen's studio. And Nikki introduced us. And then we we're like, we need to do more with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I'm so glad you thought that because I thought the same thing. <laughs> you were there. I was like, yeah, that's that whole connection thing of just, mm -hmm. I love networking, collaboration, meeting people. Yes. And that's what we're finding out too, is we have a guest on and then they just have a cool circle of people and they're like, you should meet so-and-so, you should meet so-and-so. And just kind of been this awesome route of meeting people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not only are you a badass having your own gym, being a group fitness instructor, a yoga instructor, a gym owner. But you also own an ice cream truck. And my personal favorite, you're obsessed with Justin Bieber. I'm obsessed with Justin Bieber. And when you said that, I was like, okay, I know I loved you, but I love you even more. Yeah, my teen boys really appreciate that about me. Oh, I'm like, I bet. Mom, that is so creepy. I'm like, no, it's, yeah. she just speaks just, to you. I love him. I, trust me, I get it. Yeah. And then, on top of all that, you tell us your story. And we're like, okay, so not only do we love you, but we need everyone to hear your story. Oh, that's so nice. Because you have a message to share. So Union Fitness may sound familiar because we're having our first event there on September 17th. We have been posting a lot about it on our social channels. If you are in the area, we would love, love, love yes. for you to come check out Union Fitness. It's going to be a sampler class. We're going to have a little bit of everything. We're going to have a social hour and we're going to have some awesome vendors for you guys to check out some alternative medicine practitioners who have helped me in my healing and who we know and love. So more info to come on that, but we're excited to dive into your story. Yes. Yeah, so Jen. So yeah, you. <laughs> it's so interesting getting to know you because you've done a lot of different things, starting with your professional life at an ad agency, and now you own a gym and an ice cream <laughs> truck. So can you kind of take us back to when your professional life started and walk us through how you got to where you are now? I will. So I love the we talk about meeting people and connecting with people. And I think sharing your story is so huge because you never know what anyone's going through and how you connect with people. I've always been pretty transparent with my story. It's easy for me to talk about. So I was married in my twenties 
and went to college, graduated, and then worked at this, you know, really high profile advertising agency. It was glossy. It was like Melrose Place. <laughs> it was hilarious. Like, do you know what Melrose Place is, Brooke? Oh my no, god, I'm laughing over <laughs> here. Oh I watched god. it. I watched it. <laughs> it's before your time. Nineties. Um, yeah, but like dressed up and high heels and work hard, play hard. Emphasis on play hard. I worked on huge accounts like BMW and Nikon and Starbucks, and but it was just a a lot. It was not the most. Um, it was a little bit of a toxic environment. So my first marriage ended. We ended amicably, but then I stayed with Fallon and just worked my butt off and had a ton of fun. I ended up moving to New York. Mm. And so when I look back at the time, I didn't think I was saying yes to things that, you know, scare me or put me out of my comfort zone. But when I look back, I'm like, I worked on a lot of high profile business accounts. I was, you know, new business manager. I had to be with all these VPs. And then I moved to New York. I didn't know anybody. And I just kind of took a leap of faith and and went. So I was there and this is part of my story. (laughs) This cracks me up. It just cracks me up. I was in a relationship there and ended up getting pregnant. So I have an ex-husband and a baby daddy now. There's part of my story. Uh, I know, right? No shame. And so I ended up moving back. And my priorities just changed. They had to change. Mm -hmm. I came back. I ended up transferring back to the same advertising agency, which was awesome. But I'm like, something has to change this, you know, party lifestyle. And I really just, you know, my son, Bo, his name's Bo. He's the, I always just tell him he's the best thing that ever happened to me, 16 Mm -hmm. now. So I went on eHarmony and left the possibilities open, dated (laughs) a lot of men (laughs) that were very good matches. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, ended up meeting my husband, Brian, and we got married after five months of dating. Wow. wow. Probably wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> Looking back. And you're still married. We're still married. We just passed 15 years. Wow. wow. So we got married and huge transition, needle off the record. I quit my job, moved to the suburbs and became a stay-at-home mom. Total 180. Uh, like I, it, it was great and I was ready for something different, but going from making your own income and kind of this flashy downtown atmosphere to stay at home mom. And then I got pregnant two months later with my son, Jess was just such a huge transition for me. And I really, and I know moms, even if they weren't in a career, you love your kids and you find so much fulfillment in it, but you have some, a bit of an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I love this and they need me and, but it's kind of a thankless job and I'm not making any money and mm-hmm. just being out in the suburbs and all of a sudden I'm going to like mommy and me class. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, I did find my groove. It, it, I found my way and, but my party lifestyle, it, I wasn't partying anymore, but my drinking ramped up. And it was because I was using the glass of wine at the end of the day to take the edge off or I'd say, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. And I would watch the clock till it turned five o'clock because that's the acceptable time to have a glass of wine, apparently. (laughs) But let's be honest, if I'm being honest with myself, I mean, I was having a glass of wine during nap time sometime. Mm -hmm. My husband was traveling and I... um, you know, I was home. So I'm like, well, I'm not driving and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not being social. No one's being heard. I justified it all different kinds mm-hmm. of ways. But one glass always turned into two, always turned into three, sometimes four. I mean, sometimes I was drinking a bottle of wine between five and 10 because my, my kids would go to bed. And 
I knew in the back of my mind that I was overdoing it. Uh, my dad is an alcohol wasn't isn't a recovering alcoholic. Okay, and he got sober when I was eighteen. So as the years went on and it went on, and my husband and I like to drink together, and he still drinks. I thought I don't want my kids to see me under the influence. Clearly, I have the gene for alcoholism mm -hmm. with my dad being an alcoholic, and I was approaching forty, and that's when he got sober. So I thought this is my chance just to I'm going to quit. And it made me scared because I didn't know if I was going to have to go to rehab. I, th I thought at the minimum I'll have to go to AA. And everyone said, well, you're not that bad or you're not drinking that much. Or, but, the, but they didn't know. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know how I was like filling a void and, mm -hmm. and, you know, looking at the clock and maybe sneaking some during nap time. And I thought I would stop for you know, three to three to six months. Mm -hmm. So I whooped it up on my 40th birthday <laughs> with a bunch of girlfriends. And I was so hungover, you guys, the next day. I didn't even care about drinking. It was really good timing because I couldn't even think <laughs> of having a drink for so long. Like the car ride home from my girlfriend's cabin was the most horrific car oh, ride. Oh, I know that car ride oh, after a bachelorette yes. party. Yes. Oh. So and I would say ready. I'm never drinking again. So then it was good. I was like, okay, I'm not going to drink again. Um, so I didn't. And it was a it was a struggle. Um, there were times, you know, my husband was still drinking mm -hmm. and a glass of wine sounded great. And my kids were still active little boys and I wanted to take the edge off. So I just found other ways to, you know, I started just walking. I started to really look forward to a cup of coffee in the morning, um, shifted my, you know, my perspective on things. And three months in, four months in, the desire really left me. Mm -hmm. um, I felt clear. I felt lighter. I was waking up clear-headed and not going, oh, I said I was only going to have one last night and I had three. And I said I wasn't going to drink last night, but I had two. That mental gymnastics, I call it, of the trying to manage it. Mm -hmm. Trying to manage it, I knew quitting would be easier. So I did. And then that's when my spiritual life, I had always had faith, but that's when my spiritual life really started to deepen because I was clear headed and not filling my time, you know, mm -hmm. swigging. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just, it, everything opened up. I mean, it, if I wouldn't have quit drinking, I would not own the gym. There's no doubt in my mind. And that was 11 years. I just celebrated 11 years. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. My, the day after my 40th birthday. So and I just look back and think, you know, I could have found my way. Mm -hmm. And maybe it would have never gotten out of hand where I would have, you know, been in rehab. I don't know, but I'm glad I didn't find out. And my kids, they're so, they just don't see me. They've never seen me drink because they were three and five okay. when I quit. In fact, when I look back, my, my younger son, we went to a restaurant. No, my older son went to a restaurant. And be, when the server came up, he said, I think my mom will have a glass of wine. Oh, and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> five-year-old just served me a cocktail. Yeah, yeah, this is not good. So they they say things like, yeah, it's weird to think that you ever drank before because mm -hmm. I'm very open with my boys about it, and I tell them, Grandpa had an issue, couldn't couldn't have a couple drinks and put it down. I don't know. You're kind of playing with fire if you drink because mm -hmm. I felt the same way. You know, I said I I, I couldn't have one and walk away. So it's an open conversation in our house. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. So then yeah. that was kind of the catalyst to where, you know, I am now, which is a million steps in between. But. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you, you said you didn't know if you would have to go to AA, you didn't know rehab. 
what did your support look like during this time? You know, you mentioned that people didn't know how bad it was. So what really got you through other than keeping yourself busy? Yeah, I kept myself busy. I think the key for me was I I committed to telling everybody I was going to quit. Mm-hmm. I didn't keep Smart. it to myself. Because if I would have kept it under wraps and not, no one would have known, I, I don't know if I would have done it. Mm-hmm. But I told as many people as I could. It's like, well, you know, this is my last drink or I'm going out and whooping it up for my 40th. I did tell my parents and of course they were clearly supportive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although they didn't know how bad, how much I was drinking either. Mm-hmm. And my husband was supportive. And so I just told everybody I could. And then I read as many books on alcohol as I could. There were so many memoirs out there. Yeah. There were um, shows. I, I found so many good books on people who had been through it before. I followed some... I don't think there were podcasts back then. (laughs) Podcasts weren't a thing back then, but people had Facebook posts and blogs. And I just dove in and like immersed myself Mm -hmm. in reading all I could and and knowing that I wasn't alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And hearing these stories of people that did it, knowing that it was possible. I feel like on my healing journey, that's what I found. One of the most things helpful is that constant, not only flooding myself with the positivity of, yes, I can, but... I did it. You can too. Mm-hmm. The yeah. importance of sharing the story. I mean, mm-hmm. all this healing journey you're going through right now, someone else out there, I always think even if it's one person, because mm-hmm. when I'm on the mic, when I teach at the gym, I will talk about my sobriety day. I'll, I'll joke and say, okay, this song, I might've been dancing to it on a bar 15 years ago. <laughs> so thank goodness I'm not doing that. But I've had people come up after class and go, wow, can you tell me more about that? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, what is your story there? They want to, they want to know more. It's the human connection. People yeah. want to connect with you, especially if you're a leader of a class. They're like, I don't know. I feel like you feel kind of disconnected. I don't really know you. Like, like with Nikki Lemon, her being my yoga instructor, I got to know her so well mm-hmm. from being in her class. And I love that you do that. I think that's super cool that in your classes, you're an open book like that. Probably TMI sometimes. I'm no, sure. I loved it. I, I, just, <laughs> I just had one of my former members from another gym come take a class at Union, and he said, I forgot how much she talked, but then I decided I missed it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, no, so I texted Jen Friday. I was in a slump and not feeling well, and I was like, I need just to get out of this apartment. I need group fitness. I need the environment at Union. I need to take a class, and she's like, yep, come on in. So I came in 7.45 Saturday morning. I'm not drinking right now, so I yeah. felt great, and it was awesome. And I'm on the bike, and I'm like, okay. And then Jen's like, I've had four cups of coffee. Let's go. <laughs> First song is Justin Bieber. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I see you. Okay, I did the right thing. Thank I'm you for guiding me. I am where yes. I belong. Yes, but even just your words up there of you don't have to be here. You get to be here. There's someone who wishes to. they could be in your spot. And just what you say spoke so deeply to me and I, I'm so grateful for you and that's why I'm so excited for this event. I want everyone to experience your magic and come down to union, but walk us through the spiritual path after, because I think that's had a huge impact on how you are when you teach Definitely. and your presence now. Mm-hmm. So I grew up like in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had a, a faith base and I think having the, having my boys too, it's the the responsibility and how am I going to guide them through and what am I going to offer them Mm -hmm. just was hitting heavy with me. So I just started to really 
get into Bible reading. I did devotion. I started a Bible study. My mom and my aunt and my, one of my cousins did a Bible study. I was just hungry to learn. Mm-hmm. Without the alcohol there, it was like, oh, what can I learn? What can I read? So we got involved in a church and I went on missions trips. I went to, I mean, I went to LA and worked, like helped on Skid Row. It was amazing. And it just gave me ideas of how to help back here and how to give back in our community. And it was just, I found fellowship there. It was, it was great. We were serving. We, I just got away from just myself. Mm -hmm. I think I was living so selfishly for so long in my twenties. I mean, I commend you gals on how you have your acts together right now. (laughs) Like I look back at myself in my twenties and I'm like, Oh Lord, I I learned a few things, but we're surrounding ourselves with people like you. And that's good. such this an impact. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even so, I just started really journaling heavily in like the last year. <laughs> this is comical. I looked back March 2020. Well, the gym's shut down for three weeks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if I would have known what was coming, yeah, I, would I have bailed? I don't know. But to look back at all the steps and all the ways I've ebbed and flowed and the ups and downs. So yes, faith is huge. For me, it's Jesus and, and Bible, God, creator. That's, that's my faith. I think if you start with just getting outside yourself mm-hmm. and knowing there's something more than you and seeking and just quiet and wanting something else, your life will change. Mm-hmm. And I, didn't, I did not get there till literally in my 40s. Mm-hmm. I mean, I struggled. I was there. I had a faith. I walked away. And, and that happens. People walk away. They have their own journeys. So to think in my 40s, you know, it came together and it's just growing stronger and stronger. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I, and I have to, it's part of my story. We're not a Christian gym. I don't put it in, I don't push it. I, it's, I'm not in your face about it. But when people go, wow, you're so joyful or you seem to have this kind of an upbeat spirit or you seem to have a positive outlook, I'm like, my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's gotten me through and it gets me going every morning. So, and definitely helped you through this last year oh, with COVID because you bought the gym like right when COVID started, right? It was about <laughs> a year before. So, doing this whole stay at home mom, I was talking about kind of saying yes and, and being open to some possibilities. Mm-hmm. I really started to open up to, okay, I'm, I'm full time mom, but know, my kids were getting a little bit older. I have a little bit more freedom. I was getting a little antsy to do something. And that's when I just started praying like, okay, Lord, where do you want me today? And sometimes, most of the time, I was like, no. <laughs> so do you want to be the volunteer coordinator at the elementary school? Um, no. <laughs> but I did it. And because it would always come back around, like I couldn't escape. And so I was the volunteer coordinator at the the elementary school. And then I started a group called super girls where I invited 13 girls, like kind of peripheral neighborhood girls. And we started to meet once a week during the summer and do projects and have like a theme and, and talk about empowerment and girls and strength and not bullying. And Mm -hmm. that was great. Yeah. So I was wondering what I was going to do. I didn't want to get back into the corporate, you know, nine to five gig. I knew I was going to be home for an extended period of time. My kids were still maybe seven and nine at the time. And I, I literally remember praying like, Lord, I'm not sure where you want me. I don't know where to go next. And I get, get an email from one of the teachers at the school, like, would you be open to doing daycare? 
Again, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I really was like, uh, let me think about it. I mean, I didn't want to say no, but the last, I just, my boys are getting just a little bit older and there mm-hmm. was two elementary school kids, but then a one and a half year old boy. And a boy too. I could have gotten a one and a half year old girl. <laughs> well, it turns out my older son was really tough, like had some, I don't know, just he'd probably be diagnosed with anxiety and that kind of thing now. He was just tough. We battled a lot. It was just really tough parenting. And so I thought maybe this just is my chance to help somebody else out. I, I had no good reason to say no. Mm-hmm. And we live across the street from the school. So we could walk up there. So I let it slide for a little bit, and then I went up to the school, and she caught me in the hallway and said, have you thought more about that? Because I haven't found anybody. So I'm like, well, clearly I'm supposed to be doing this. (laughs) Well, strangely enough, getting the daycare kids was the catalyst to me starting to work out every morning because I thought, I really need to get ahead of the kids. Mm -hmm. I can't be behind the ball, and they're coming in the door, and I'm just getting up. My husband, God bless him. I just laugh over this. We were laughing about it before I came because he's like, you're never going to get up. You're not a morning person. Good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Look at me like, now. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought, I have to commit to this. So there was a, um, the Egan Community Center up mm-hmm. the street from my house. They have 6 a.m. classes. I'm, go- I'm like, I'm going every morning. I'm going. They had you know, strength. They had cardio. They had cycle. I think I didn't go to yoga at first. That was the only one I skipped. So I went. Met people, started going every morning, went there for probably a year and a half. So the same instructors, I get to know the instructors. Mm -hmm. And one instructor said, you know, you should really think about getting certified because you're here, you get it, you're you're personable, you've got the moves. I can just tell. I'm like, I'm 45. (laughs) I don't think people get certified to be a group fitness instructor at 45. And she's like, you think about it. You know, like I really think, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? What's my next step? Mm-hmm. Some, she sees something in me, clearly. And so I talked to the gal who I knew who managed the community center. I said, if I were to get certified, what are the chances I could teach? And she said, I'd let you like sub a little bit and see, but the group knew me and people are for you. They mm-hmm. are for you. Mm-hmm. So they were like, of course we'd want you to teach. And they give you grace because they know you're learning. Yeah. So I got certified online. I, you know, it was work at first. I thought, am I going to medical school? That's how complicated I'm an art history major. So <laughs> learning about the body, I was just, whoa, it was a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Took me a while. It took my time. <laughs> got certified and started teaching. And I'm telling you the first few classes, I mean, several classes, I lost sleep the night before, prayed my way to the gym just to help me to have confidence, help me to know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Just this, I had people like, can you pray for me? It's going to be my first class. And (laughs) it's, so now I'm laughing because what scared me before is my comfort zone. Yeah. Now I got to push out of this zone, which is teaching to go another level up. Mm -hmm. I was like, isn't that how it works? What you are, you know, maybe it's not fear, but it's that comfort or it's not familiar. Mm -hmm. And you worry about what are people going to think? Am I going to screw up? And it, uh, there is something to fake it till you make it too. You know, you got to go in and I got really good advice. They said, if you screw up or you lo- lose your way, they don't know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> you own it. So I did that. Or I'm very transparent. I'd be like, I screwed up. Everybody start over. Or, you know, <laughs> like, wait a minute. This is going nowhere. <laughs> let's, you know, <laughs> let's back it up. So 
really saying yes to daycare, which mm-hmm. I did not want to do, got me into fitness. And the gal who I did daycare for almost had, her son was just like my older son. So she would drop him off kicking and screaming in his pajamas. I'm like, I got him. Go, go enjoy your day. And she was like, oh, I needed you so badly during that time. And it was nothing for me. And it was so helpful for her. And so it's just, I don't want people to think you say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. That's not, you're not a doormat. And, and women especially, we spread ourselves so thin because we can multitask and we don't want to say no. You do have to say no. But for me, prayer, I really, you know, consider it pray, sit, you know, talk with people as mm-hmm. people, if it doesn't come back around, if it doesn't feel right in your gut, I think you have to say no. Mm-hmm. And you know, we have that sixth sense. We have mm-hmm. it. The gut instinct. It for is. I do think though, there's something about like the calling, like you keep saying you were saying no, but you didn't really have a reason not to. Yeah. And then they're like these different little messaging, you know, throughout your day or month would come back. And I feel like that's what happened with me with this podcast. One day it just clicked and something, I think once you kind of start to let it come in and you like, for me too, I pray about it. The answers come and it unfolds because you're kind of seeking it. You're, it's like you have the magnet and the other mag, you know, like, like, what am I going to get attracted to? What's going to be attracted to me? And then all of a sudden I think it clicks. And I think exactly what you're saying is you have to quiet the noise. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't know, and you don't create that time for the quiet, the prayer or the reflection or where am I going in this direction? Do I like my job? Do I like being a stay-at-home mom? You know, a lot of women I'm sure can relate to the drinking at home because yeah, totally. it, it makes sense. You love your kids. You want to be home. You want to be with them. You don't want to take time away from kids. So like you assume you should be a stay-at-home mom. Like this is the dream. Who wouldn't want to be with their kids? But for some people, that is not the dream once they do it. Like for me, I, I wasn't fulfilled doing it. I felt like there's these Pinterest moms, they're doing crafts. Oh, I don't want to do crafts. <laughs> I don't even like, I don't even know if I want to go anywhere in my car. Cause it's icy out. I feel like I didn't take my kid anywhere. Like I'm failing at this. I'm not making money. Yeah. There were so many things that were like, you know, it was a blessing to be able to do it, but I feel like me reflecting and journaling got me to the place where I was like, you know what? I need to work part-time. Like I do want to be here and this is right a little bit, but I need to miss my kids, you know, and I need to make money and find that fulfillment. And I think if I didn't reflect, I don't think I would have gotten to that answer. And some people just draw, they, they think it's the right thing to do and you're going to get pushback. I mean, you'll get pushback from what you're going to work part-time and can't you stay home or whatever, or you're going to quit your job or but yeah, you have to do what is right for you, really. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, you care for others in the meantime, and it's not all about you. But you know, when they always say, "If Mama ain't happy, no one is." That's happy. true. Well, and, and something true. too, like I wish someone have said to me back then was, "There's what's right for your family now." That could change in two months. For sure. But for now. I needed to go like waitress part-time or look for another job part-time. And that made sense. And then it was something else six months later. Like, I think you think if you say no to being a stay-at-home mom or you say no to your job to be a stay-at-home mom, you feel like it's so overwhelming because is this the right fit? But it's like, maybe it just is for right now. Like nothing's permanent here. You know, you can change your mind. You can test it out Mm -hmm. and see what's right for you. It's the same with anything really, like any job. I think it's overwhelming to switch roles or switch departments or whatever it may be. But 
Like until you feel on fire, just keep testing the waters. And being open is what like I'm hearing from both of you is having that quiet time to really know like, what do I want? What would even fulfill me? Taking that you time that isn't selfish. You said if mama's not happy, no one's happy. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> but, but attracting that, right? Like putting it into the universe and whatever is meant to be will be and in, in questioning it enough, but also knowing, okay, like this is happening for a reason. I think, you know, you started out an art history major and now look at you. <laughs> like if you would have been so stuck in your path, I think being open to what's coming to you, accepting that is so powerful and knowing that you can change your mind. You don't have to do what you first set out to do that in each season of life, it's going to be different, but you're honoring what's true to you and people, they might not understand at first, but it's true to you. And it's taking that leap. And I love what you always say. What do you always say about taking that leap? Do it afraid. So I heard that actually in, I went to a woman's conference at the church I was at. Mm -hmm. And the pastor's wife there had been deathly afraid of speaking and said, do not ever pull me up on stage. Don't pull me up on stage. She was an accountant and said, I don't ever want to be a part of it. I'll support you. But And now it's like thousands and thousands of people. She does the women's conference, which is thousands of people. Oh my gosh. And so she said do it afraid. You don't always, rarely do you walk into a new situation and go, I am so confident I'm going to nail this. And I'm, you know, even with your podcast, when you started, you're probably like, I'm going to get a million followers. This is going to be a breeze. Like, no, you're, you know, you, but you got to step and do mm -hmm. it, do it afraid for sure. I mean, it's cliche to always talk about comfort zones, but we do get comfortable. It's so easy to stay there, but it's so not fulfilling to stay there. Do you think that's always a way that you've been? You know, I look back, I was the most timid, quiet, don't call in me in class girl. And I'll, this is the craziest part of this. I was bullied horribly through high school. And I really think that helped me to get where I am now because I realized, well, people are going to like me or not. And there's nothing I can do to... I just had to be strong mm -hmm. and it pulled me out of my shell. And then I met um, some friends like my junior and senior year that just really embraced, like, just be you. Why are you worried about this? Or, And so then that, I don't know. I, I don't know how I got to be more like independent and mm -hmm. confident because it, it's been a huge process. Yeah. It makes sense though. If you're bullied, like, there's nothing I can do to please everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, what am I, who am I trying to please and why? Because it's not going to work. And who I don't even know what you're thinking anyways. So if you sit there and wonder about it too much, you're wasting your energy. You're wasting your time. Like, please yourself and your family. And if your unit's good, who cares what anybody else is thinking? Mm -hmm. But yeah. also, you, I love how you said it, it's been a process. It is a process. And it's a continuing process. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the group fitness industry, as you can imagine, instructors get like, well, why does this class have more numbers or what? I mean, when I started teaching, I would, this makes me laugh now. <laughs> I mean, it used to almost make me cry before, but there would be 25 people signed up for a class and they would see my name come on and there would be like six. <laughs> oh. Well, and mostly people just are dedicated to an instructor. Right. And they love them. So, but you take it personally. Mm -hmm. You're like, really? Could you stay? Could you come to my class? And I told my class, I really told my gym members one day, not so long ago, you used to all intimidate me and I would be nervous to come in. And now I own the place and you can all suck it. <laughs> I literally said that and they're like, yeah. Cause I think, <sighs> I love that. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. I, 
they, I used to be scared to teach and now, you know, yeah. I own the place and I, I know all of them and I love all of them. But yeah, it, and I think it's always going to be a process. It's mm-hmm. always, I mean, coming here, I'm not joking. I thought, what do I really have to say? Like, who's really going to want to hear what I have to say? I mean, so I'm a gym owner. You know, that those thoughts, we well, those <laughs> thoughts go through your head. Yeah. Um, I almost didn't get certified in yoga because I didn't like the sound of my voice and I'm not real polished in my delivery. And I thought you have to be this very talk like this and <laughs> downward facing dog. And in my yoga classes, you'll hear me say like, Hey, if, you know, crow isn't your jam, pick something else. <laughs> That's like, you might hear that in my yoga class. <laughs> I love that. Cause I thought I can't be, I can't try and be what I'm not. Mm-hmm. So some people are going to hate it and they're going to be saying, you know, she needs to be way more polished and have a more beautiful voice. Although I have worked on my yoga voice a little bit when we do <laughs> meditation, I try and take it down and <laughs> talk a little Just- slower. It just shows like you're not going to be for everyone yeah. and you trying to be for everyone is only hurting you. And I think everyone, like, we know that, but we get so caught up in it, especially with social media. And I think it's just getting worse and worse. And so to have that permission, like for anyone listening, I just want to say like, be you. And if you don't know who you are, like take that damn time to figure it out. Yep. And also you will find the right people. If yeah. people are telling you you're too much or you're too this or you're not enough this or that, they're not your people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Find new people. Find people that accept you for exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, And if you don't jive with people, that's cool. Like That's life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just, you don't click and you need to find a new circle. Like, And I also, I want to talk to you about this because you have evolved as a person so much. Number one, you stop drinking and your husband drinks. And so that, that's like evolving into a new person. Then all of a sudden you're deep in your faith and then you're deep in fitness. How did that work in your marriage and with your friendships as you've like evolved over time? Mm -hmm. So my husband drinks and has never worked out in my gym. (laughs) He does eat a lot of ice cream out of the ice cream truck. I'll tell him. (laughs) But uh, it's funny because he does it. Like everyone thinks we're this fitness couple or something, but it was tough when I quit drinking because that was our fun time. Like Mm -hmm. we would put the kids to bed and we'd chill or we'd put on Kid Rock and I might dance on the coffee table. I mean, really, that's what we did. I didn't even have a baby monitor, you guys. I'm sure the kids might have needed me and I didn't even know it. Like, woo! Um, I thought, is this going to change everything? Are we still going to have fun together? Because we had been drinking from day one and we'd only known each other five months when we got married. I I think I got sober like three years after our marriage or something like that, three or four. But even though he kept drinking, he was supportive. I just think he knew. He mm-hmm. knew I wasn't happy. He could see that I was dragging in the morning, that I just, I think he knew too that I, I had, um, I was drinking more than him, like just to take the edge off. Like mm-hmm. he'd come home and have a beer after work. And sometimes he wouldn't have anything. Yeah, it was, it was, it made me nervous. My friendships did. I lost a lot of friendships, I got to say. Mm-hmm. And not because I cared that anybody was drinking, but people don't want to drink alone. So I would say, well, invite me and I, I'm happy to meet up with you guys. I might leave when the stories get repetitive and you're laughing too loud (laughs) at 10 and you know, the calls stopped, a lot Mm -hmm. of calls stopped, but it just shifted. You know, I, I, I don't remember having this huge grieving process about all these friends because they were still drinking a lot and I just wasn't there. It just wasn't fun for me. 
I can go, I can go to an event and be there for a couple hours and then I'm happy to just duck out when everybody starts to get a little, you know, like they're having way too much fun. Mm-hmm. We all know when that's, that happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my husband will even still take cabs home. I'm like, I'm out. And he's like, just stay. I'm going to have one more. I'm like, bye-bye. I know how that goes. Yeah. So yeah, right. Now that mm-hmm. you're doing the sober thing and yeah. you just got to stay strong and do it. It went well. And it was a pretty good transition. There were moments, and there are moments now when, you know, he'll have a couple beers and it, I try not to let it annoy me, but I'm like, really? Do you need to have number four right now? And I can get a little judgy and I try and shut my mouth, but I asked him not so long ago, I said, do you ever wish that I was party girl Jen anymore? He said, no, no, you are so much more peaceful. You're happier. You are amazing the way you are. And so mm. that was good. Cause I thought, I wonder if he ever misses those crazy nights where we used to go out. Nope. So now we go into like more have coffee dates. We go out on, we have a boat and we'll go out on the river on Sundays. It's kind of our date day. Cute. And yeah. And we'll just take off the two of us and it's more of like a, a daytime. And then if he wants a beer, he goes out with his buddies and has a couple beers and, but friendships definitely changed. Mm-hmm. I think you have more meaningful conversations, right? Whether it's with your significant other or if it's with your friends, like you actually remember the conversations that you're having, first of all. And like something I'm learning too is I'm getting more confident in who I am. And like this last weekend being out at the bar and I'm like, you know, I had FOMO and I came here and I'm I'm fine. My relationships are fine whether I'm drinking or not. So, you know, someone had told me that if someone is judging you for drinking, they're judging themselves. Mm. I think something I've learned is that they're not judging me for not drinking, but it's shining light on the fact that they're drinking and it's making them question themselves. Oh, you're going to see how much I'm drinking. You're really going to experience the sober. Well, yeah, I think you're drinking sometimes. Like sometimes it's just, you know, a, a couple drinks here, there, but sometimes it's like, you're in an awkward situation and to take the edge off, you want to drink, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're, if you're with someone that's sober, you're thinking like, oh, they're experiencing this real time. Like, are they judging me for how much I'm drinking? I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're starting to think about what they're thinking. You're losing the ability to see things clearly. And I think when someone is there that you know has the clarity, it makes you a little insecure about how you're acting or mm-hmm. how much you're drinking. Mm-hmm. Well, cause I had friends who would go, uh, I'm going to have at least one. Is that okay? Or I'm going to have two. I'm like, you don't have to apologize to me or at, tell me how many drinks you're going to have, or even say, do you care if I order another one? It was, yeah, it was a little awkward. Yeah. Just they felt there was pressure on them to explain themselves when they were having more than one drink. Mm-hmm. But I do have, I have friends that drink and I go out with them now, but you know, now that we're old, I hate to say old. We're young. 51's nothing, but you do get past the drinking going out to the bars. <laughs> mm-hmm. So even my friends that drink maybe have a glass of wine. But two of my best friends, one male friend that I had from the advertising agency, and then my best friend from high school. I mean, we used to walk around with like bottles of Jack Daniels and chase it with Coke and like a cutoff Iron Maiden t shirt and a headband in 1987. I'm just saying. <laughs> We're all sober though. All of us quit drinking. Wow. Yeah. And my one friend who's, he's amazing and he's like an ultra marathon runner. He's a Buddhist. He's found total Zen with running and physical training and is like the polar opposite of what he used to be when Mm -hmm. we were together. 
And then my other friend, she actually ended up doing it for her health because she has a lot of autoimmune issues. She's done tons of cleanses Mm -hmm. and parasite and all that. And just, it makes her sick. She's like, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. So she, she just let it go, but she, and she'll have a drink now, but usually she doesn't feel great. Yeah. She's like, why, why do I want to drink so bad that I'll drink and know that I'm going to feel bad? So she really just doesn't do it because she wants to feel good. It's such a social, like just the habit on the party bus with our family the last weekend. I'm like, I just miss like having, just having something in my hand and you just see it and it's like, you feel left out. And then I'm questioning myself like, why is it like this? Mm -hmm. This is just bizarre. Why does it have to be like this? It's, you're so conditioned in the world to feel like that. Mm -hmm. But I think knowing that there are people out there who have gotten over it and can you can go to for support is so key, knowing yeah. that it doesn't have to be that way. There are people that are completely fine without it. I wrote, I mean, I've looked back in my journal. I did journal when I quit drinking. Just I wanted to see the kind mm-hmm. of roller coaster I went through. And I, I do have many entries that just said, I can't wait till I don't want to drink. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have that feeling of not missing it, which I don't remember when it came. It did. I wouldn't, so I have people all the time, and this is another thing with our society, which is so strange to me. They're like, well, now that it's been so long, do you think you could have some and be fine? I'm like, well, why, if I'm, I'm playing with fire, why would I try to do that? Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound, I have no desire. It doesn't sound good to me. The only thing that ever sounds kind of good is like a glass of champagne because it's just like this crisp, you can't, I don't know, replicate it if it's Mm -hmm. at a celebration. But I thought, no. It's been 11 years. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a time I'm going to go, you know what? I think I'm going to start drinking again. I think, though, the sober people I know in my life don't talk about it enough. And it, you mm-hmm. don't owe me anything, right? But it's that guessing game of why did they stop? Oh, like, did something bad happen? Can they not handle it? Like, what you're saying, too, is like, yeah, there were reasons why you stopped. But your marriage is fine because you're happier and you're more peaceful. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I just... For anybody that's sober, talk about how cool it is to be sober. Yeah. You know, our culture is so drink, drink, drink. You're cool if you drink. Get your buzz on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of these things, commercials, it's literally everywhere. You know, it's it's in all of our faces. And I feel like sober people need to just talk about how cool it is to be sober. Because all of my idols, like everybody I look up to yeah. that are these self-growth people, they don't drink. I'm like, Mm -hmm. maybe this is something I should play with. And I do play with it sometimes. You know, I'll take months off of drinking. Yeah, I say months, a month off. (laughs) And usually like the shortest one of the year. Um, But yeah, (laughs) yep. It's usually February or like September, just after my birthday on the 4th. So that it's not the whole month. But yeah, I play with it because it's usually around time to to train for a marathon. And then it helps me out. But Mm -hmm. clarity, huge. Energy, huge. Better sleep better moods. I want to take it to a point where you don't have to justify it, right? Like I'm out and people are like, oh, like, what do you want? I'm not drinking. Oh, you're not drinking? And immediately it's like, is there something you need to tell us? Oh, right. And Ian's like, like, important. I'm like, no, I'm expecting I parasites. I don't have a baby in me. (laughs) Well, that's how everybody knew I was. That's how everybody knew I was pregnant when I worked at the advertising agency because I come back from New York Mm -hmm. and everyone, I mean, it was there. So I wasn't dating anybody. And the first thing they're like, let's go out and party. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not drinking. They're like, what's up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I kind of had to confess, but. Well, it's like, no one's asking you why you're not drinking soda or why you're not eating ketchup. You know, like, why is it? Oh, why aren't you drinking? Oh, 
I do feel what like with age too, it mm-hmm. does people just get more comfortable in their skin. I tell my I loved twenties, thirties and and being vibrant and and all the stuff ahead of you. But I really would never go back because with age comes wisdom mm-hmm. and confidence. Like that whole not caring what people think. And and you do sometimes, but it's more now, let's just own it. You know, I'm out in my mom's suit on the boat now. I'm not wearing a bikini anymore. You know, I got, was as a fitness instructor, do I have to be in this tip top shape? I started training. I'm like, I'm going to get strong. I'm going to do this heavy lifting. I'm going to count all my macros and I'm just going to get the strongest I ever have this year. And two months in, I'm like, this sucks. (laughs) And I don't have the discipline or the desire to be living like this. Mm -hmm. So I thought, what is the lifestyle I can maintain and that feels good to me. It is moving my body. I love to do something. And like I said in class, it is a get to. If you view it as you should or you have to, it just takes the wind out of the mm-hmm. sails. It's you get to and the endorphins and the way you feel is it really is it changes things in your brain. I mean I really think with exercise it's totally. unbelievable. So I do do that, but then instead of you know, some days I do a little bit of yoga. Some days I might just walk my dog and I used to do the, well, I didn't get a workout in and I did, I, I, okay, I'll do the treadmill or I'll go now. And everyone says, well, you must be at your gym all the time taking classes. No, I'm not. I mean, I teach classes and I, you know, I'll take a class here and there, but I need my space and I'm just comfortable with finding what works for me. Mm-hmm. And some days it's a rest day. Some days, you know, there was a ton of time that I counted calories and I was really worried about my weight and wanting to be a certain size. And that was, and my kids always said, mom, you never eat with us. And they were so surprised when I started to have like an ice cream with them, like going to Dairy Queen. Now (laughs) I was going to get back to the alcohol thing. It's, it's, if you have that addictive, I don't know if it's a personality. Mm -hmm. I, I think we all can be addicted to something. I struggle with sweets now. I struggle with scrolling on Instagram for two hours. It's the checkout. It's what's going to make me feel yep. good. And my son brought home those frosted animal crackers. <laughs> you guys, I had to have him hide them because they were like crack. I was taking handfuls. And then you know what he says to me? Wait a minute. So you can't control yourself. So I have to go hide these in my room. And I'm like, Yes, you do, but thanks for pointing that out. You're right. Mm -hmm. But I thought when I quit drinking, my sweet tooth went through the roof, and now I do this mindless snacking Mm -hmm. and eating sweets. And my husband said, is this the end of the world? You're you're at a normal weight. You work out. You don't smoke. You don't drink. And I say, but if I say I don't want to have any sweets and I have them, what is going on in my head or in my heart that I say, you know what? I'm not going to have any sweets today. And by 8 o'clock... And I have an ice cream truck parked in my garage now. I was eating an ice cream sandwich after breakfast and after lunch. And sometimes I wasn't even hungry. So I've still got that. We've, we're, it, it's going to be something else. It doesn't just magically disappear. I think we all have our mm-hmm. struggles. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, I quit drinking and then, you know, I'm just fine and dandy. And if it's not sweets, then it's Instagram. I think your body wants that like rush, that high or that taking the edge off or whatever it is. Like it could be anything. Everybody has their little addictions or their little things that they're working on. And I think your point too is like, you have a lot of awareness, you know, you tuning into yourself and knowing like, this is what I do. I do this. (laughs) I'm very aware that I should probably 
not be on Instagram two hours at a time, but this is what my body wants to do, or this mm-hmm. is what my tendency is. And I just think that's such a strength. You know, people are so unaware of what is taking their joy away or mm-hmm. putting their health in these terrible situations where their blood pressure is through the roof and being aware that, you know, it might not be the worst thing in the world, but at least you're aware of it and you're working on it and you're knowing like, I'm, I want better for myself. I want to be healthy. I want to be joyful. I want to be deep in my faith. I don't know. I feel like you have this like connection to your overall goals and like tuning into your little tendencies so that you can kind of level up. Yeah. Level up. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I always say step up, but, and I am vocal. I'm still vocal. I tell people, I'll even say at the gym, I'll be teaching a class. And I'm like, well, I'm on 30, 30 days, no sweets, everybody, just so you can keep me accountable. Mm-hmm. Or I'll tell my kids, could you please not bring anything in the house? Cause I don't want to have sweets right now and put it out there and share it and be vulnerable. And getting up in the morning has been a total game changer for me. And I really, I've always gotten up early to teach at the gym, but when COVID started and really dedicated probably the last six months, I set my alarm for 5 a.m., which sounds insane. And Not I'm telling, to us. Yeah, you guys are up <laughs> early too. And now I'm like addicted to that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I teach a 5.30 class twice a week. And so, you know, I'm up for that. But I thought I'm just going to keep setting my alarm and just coming to, okay, so when COVID hit, my husband's working from home. And I have a 14 and 16 year old boy distance learning. And I'm like, Lord, help me. How am I going to get through this? And I went, it almost went back to, this sounds horrible to go back to daycare, but it was like, I wanted to get up and get ahead of everybody else and have Mm -hmm. that time to myself without, I don't pick up my phone. I don't check the news. I don't, I don't engage with anyone. I come down. The summer's been so beautiful. I've been on my deck. I wrap up in a blanket. I have my coffee, which is the best part of my day. I watch the sunrise. Sometimes I'm silent. Sometimes I do a little devotional. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do put on some worship music, um, journal, whatever it is. But that time, and I have so many people say, well, I would never, or I'm not a morning person. And you can carve out time in your day. I know there's other times, but that fresh morning. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like... I've heard it called the thin veil. Mm. It's in between like dreaming and waking up, like that spot where you're still kind of, you're not quite awake yet. And I think you're open to possibilities. There's a book called the create, is it the creative way? Mm. And they say to get the juices flowing, Mm -hmm. no matter what you get up early and before your feet even hit the floor, you, you just write, write, write. Yeah. There's a lot of science behind it. The artist way. That's what it's called. Yeah, that's that 5 a.m. wake up mm-hmm. call. I just, now I can't trade it. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because I used to roll out of bed and just go to cycle at 7.45. And on Saturday, I'm like, no, I'm still going to get up. I'm going to get up. I'm going to have my coffee. I'm going to have my downtime. And then you, you you know, like we say in yoga, set an intention. It's really setting an intention and knowing that you've taken that time for yourself already. Because guaranteed, I don't know, I'm the worst. If I don't do it in the morning, I don't do it. Yep. I mean, we know firsthand and we preach about it. There is nothing like the morning time. It is incredible. And your self-care game is on point. And it's evolving as you go through all these stages of life. So I'm wondering if there's any new practices that you're playing with, kind of where you are right now with that self-care. I am. So I recently, I don't know if I read it or I was listening to something that said there's a space between a cue or a trigger for you to take an action. Mm -hmm. And 
when you actually take the action. There's a space there that usually everyone blows past because we move so fast. Mm -hmm. And there's a biblical word, which I love, called selah. It's S-E-L-A-H, and it's to pause and reflect. And I think now, you know, I'm hustling and I'm doing this and I teach and I, you know, after I have my morning time, which is awesome, but do I, am I mindful as I go through my day? Or am I just walking by the cabinet, grabbing handfuls of granola as I, you know, head out to the door and I say hi to my kids? And I think if I were to pause between I want to eat this or I want to write an email or I want to yell at my kids right now because their rooms are disaster and my son hasn't worn a shirt in six months. <laughs> uh, but if I pause... And just, well, what's the outcome? Will it be yeah. different? And maybe it won't. But do I ever give myself that space? I love, so I have, it's my screensaver on my computer now, Selah. I'm still It might that. be a new tattoo. I, I, gotta, I might have to get another tattoo. But because it's that pause, just stop yourself for a brief moment. Mm -hmm. Do I want to do this? How do I want this to play out? I mean, picture if people did that when they spoke, especially right now or when mm -hmm. they posted all the people that are typing tweeting. as fast as they can yeah. and tweeting, mm -hmm. just stop yourself for a brief moment and reconsider other, you know, other people too. And how is this going to affect my life? And it's a brief pause. So between the trigger and the action, take the pause. That's what I'm trying. And it's, this is a brand new practice. I move sometimes a mile a minute and I talk fast and I'm, and I just want to stop. It kind of ties in with starting your morning slower, mm -hmm. just trying to carry that through your day. So how do you know with all these practices that you've started, like obviously there was the fitness and the reflection and the prayer and now, now this, like how do you know when you're getting good at it? How do you know when it's working? I think when I create, it's not a discipline, it's not mm -hmm. a have to, it's, I look forward to it. Okay. Or when you miss it one when day. I miss it. Yeah. And it's funny when I travel or if I'm with other people, again, it kind of goes back to the alcohol thing. Can you take a day off from exercise? Oh, there she goes. She's got to exercise. Or they don't understand mm -hmm. that the self-care and what it does for you, it's not a striving. It's not I'm trying to be a certain size or look a certain way. I'm or, not doing this to impress you. This no, makes me feel like right. a better person and good inside. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I just think it you set that intention, if you pause, if you're mindful, I mean, it's all the yoga practice, mm -hmm. slowing down, being present. You know, there's so many buzzwords out there. So say law is mine. That's, I'm taking that. <laughs> I'm taking it, it is too. In the, it is in the Bible. So yeah. they had it, you know, many years ago. <laughs> I love that. And well, we'll make it 2021. <laughs> We're it. bringing it back. <laughs> We're bringing it back. So one thing I love is being with people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like especially post-COVID, my goodness, do we need to reconnect? So the self-care and taking time for yourself, I think especially as moms, think of it as fuel or energy for when you meet with people or like watering a garden. <laughs> think of a little watering can. But you have to have fuel. You have to have the energy to mm -hmm. give to others. If you're depleted, and that's what I used to do, let's just run ourselves ragged and then pour a bottle of wine and go to bed and do it all over again the next day. No. So self-care is so important, but the, the, I say in the gym a lot, we're not meant to do life alone. I don't believe we are. I say that too. Yeah. It's you, if you try and struggle alone, I don't know. Some people can white knuckle it and make it through. I cannot. Mm -hmm. And the times that I have 
tried to do it, I'm miserable. So how does that play into your business? Like thinking about, I mean, you own a gym. Like how do you do that with people? Like how have you created your community with your gym? So when we started Union, so it was a, another gym name. I basically, once I was teaching a couple years at the Egan Community Center, I stumbled into this gym because um, they had had a week shut down and were doing some cleaning and I just happened to stumble in there. I found them on Google, liked the vibe and started taking a few classes and then they found out that I taught and I kind of started to manage. I got the trust of the members. I just kind of started to be the contact person and run things. And it was probably a year into that and the f- the former owner said, you know, I'm done with the day-to-day. My lease is coming to an end and I want out you know, would you consider buying it? To which I said, no. (laughs) Are we seeing a theme here? (laughs) I love how we're like, say yes. And then all I talk about is how we say no. (laughs) Um, But I thought, I don't want to own a bit. Like that's way too much. I'm happy managing. Like I can Mm -hmm. teach my classes. And so I went home, talked to my husband and we're like, you know, my, my kids are now in middle school. I don't need to be home with them. I don't need a sitter. They can be left alone. They really don't want me around, (laughs) which is an interesting transition as a mom, um, full-time mom to no one wants me here. So we really just thought, should we do this? And we don't have a huge disposable income. We were going to have to, we took out business loans. We had to come up with a business plan. I am not a business person. Remember, I'm an art history major and a group fitness instructor. And so he was obviously going to help me with the money piece of it and pull it together that way. But he said, this is your gym. Like you're owning it, you're running it. And the former owner owner who had three daughters said, you know, it's saying something to your kids that you're going to just step out, that you're going to run something. And I think you'd be great. So we prayed on it and I journaled and I was like, okay. And the first year was rough and there was a lot of drama with people who weren't fans of me taking over. And I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So it was just really making mistakes and trying new things, but I was kind of doing it solo. And then COVID hit. Well, then I really had to get creative. It's like, so we started Zooming and we we were pulling 26 bikes out into the parking lot for, for classes and spacing them out at five in the morning. Zooming, boot camps, just connect. And I thought, okay, the one thing I know I can do is connect people. I love to talk to people. I can connect people. I can, and, I, and I just started texting and emailing and I'm thinking of you and can you come? And we started just meeting socially distanced outside and having happy hours just to keep, stay connected. Mm-hmm. Now I realize, you know, COVID hit us really hard. I lost like almost half my members probably. And a lot of people haven't come back and we're seeing some new faces, but I've got a ton of building to do. And I'm not in the spirit of honesty on Sunday. I think it was, I was in tears. I was on the deck and I just felt overwhelmed. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't do it. You know, I don't know how to market. I don't know how to advertise. And I thought, um, why are you trying to do this by yourself? You have a rock star instructors who are amazing. 10, you know, I have 10 people on staff. My husband's brilliant. My parents would help. I, I know people in the industry and I was like, well, this is silly. You're trying to do this on your own. So I, on the fly, I said to my instructors, I texted everybody, is there any way anyone can get together this Sunday and just brainstorm? I want to come up with a tagline. I want to have ideas. What do you think about formats? They were happy to come. They're like, thank you. We don't want you to do it by yourself. Mm. I brought donuts and coffee. I didn't eat the donut. I believe <laughs> it. I'm sticking to, sticking to my 30 days on the no sweets. Um, but it was such... I just thought, I can't, if we try and do things by ourselves, 
we can struggle and we might make it, but just include people because mm-hmm. I want to help somebody. If somebody said, can you help me? Um, yes, I can. Especially if it's something you're good at. So we had this great brainstorming session. And then again, I'm laughing like, okay, teaching is comfortable. I got to take it up. I got to level up. So I'm pulling away from classes, which sounds contrary to what I want to do because it's easy for me to teach. And then I think, well, if I'm not teaching all the time, will I lose that community? No, I'm going to take some classes and I trust my instructors. They're great. So I'm already giving up some classes. I am, you know, working on a website. I'm starting to network and just put myself out there again. So we dealt when COVID happened and we had to space out. I don't think anything really happens. Coincidentally, mm-hmm. there was a back room that had stayed open that the landlord had that's connected. There's a door that goes in between two rooms and he had tried to rent it for two years with zero luck. And I said, do you have that space? And he said, yes. And I'm so desperate to get rid of it. I'll give you a deal if you extend your lease. So I'm like, oh boy. So we're going to double our space and extend our lease. I'm like, we have to. I mean, if you build it, they will come. You Mm -hmm. you have to have that vision. You have to think big. And I don't even know how we're going to get there, but we're going to get there. What is your vision with Union? You know, the community is so awesome. Mm -hmm. It's it really it's so corny. It's like a fitness family. I mean, we the other day I haven't if I haven't seen people, I'm like, could you get your ass to the gym, please? I just text them. (laughs) Or I haven't seen you. I know what people are going through in their personal life. Like people confide in me. Mm -hmm. I say in class a lot of times, you have no idea what's going on with people in this Mm -hmm. room. And I do. And it's like a lot of emotional stuff. People are getting divorced. There are people, there's people with autoimmune issues and diseases and parents they're taking care of and kids who are struggling. Everybody's just showing up and doing their best. Mm -hmm. And really when we're there, it, you can feel that people are cheering you on. It really does. I think you said come as you are mm-hmm. after you were there because mm-hmm. that is really, it's not this grit, is that all you can do, pay your dues kind of gym. And those gyms work for a lot of people. This is come as you are, we're here to support you. So I'm reaching out to people who haven't been in. I just sent out a, hey, small group. There's a lot of you struggling. You haven't been back in the group fitness. You maybe put on a little bit of weight. You're not feeling great. Do you want to come back? I got five responses within like 10 minutes of thank you, of course. So we're going to do a small Mm -hmm. series and just meet once or twice a week for 30 minutes, do a low-key class. So I have that liberty because the gym is small, Mm -hmm. but everybody there, the members are encouraging, my instructors are amazing. So I'm just going to try and broaden my horizons and collaborate and think outside the box. I mean, really, people say, "You're, you're always so excited which it's funny because I don't feel like I am a lot of times, but when I think about it, I do get excited, but executing it is a whole nother story. (laughs) So now I do have to get the discipline piece because I can come up with all these ideas. My husband is a charts guy. Everything has to be in an Excel spreadsheet or I have post-it notes all over, scribbled post-it notes. So he's like, I will help you make the list, get the, you know, you've got to start checking things off. You have to have long-term goals. You have to have numbers in your head. And it's kind of that hustle that I'm not comfortable with. I don't want to do it. So I could sit in with my coffee in silence for three hours now. And so I don't want to hustle. <laughs> Please don't make me hustle. You found your zen and now you're getting back to the hustle. But now, yeah. And it's like that balance. Yeah. Like you got you to gotta do some work. You got to do some zen. But I do think finding your people is huge. Find that support system. They're, and sharing your story is part of it. Because mm-hmm. someone's going to go, I went through that. 
I just met with a gal yesterday through another trainer. She might want to use the gym to train. And she's like, so I just celebrated 13 years of sobriety. I'm like, I just celebrated 11. She's like, no way. And then there's our commonality and it's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's just fun. Life is fun that way. Mm -hmm. Instead of head down, blinders on, I don't want to talk to people. It's a bummer way to go through life. I love that. And I love everything you're saying. I feel like you have so many messages in what you're talking about, like whether you're a mom or you want to get into fitness or you're thinking about how you take things to extreme or just noticing things about yourself. I just think your messages are so powerful because they speak to everyone. I mean, I thought of 15 other questions I wanted to ask you and get into. So we'll have to have you <laughs> back, but forever. thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And like you said, sharing your story because it's powerful. And the more that we do this, the more that we will connect to each other. And I'm super excited for hanging out with you some more. Yes. And I'm so excited for our event. Awaken your soul, unleash your gold. Get back to you with union. All about union. And featuring Nikki Lemon, who brought us together. Mm -hmm. So September 17th, stay tuned. Check out our socials. The event is on our Facebook page, Gold Ivy Health Co. We would love to see you guys there. Spots are limited. We're capping it at 40 Um, It's going to be an amazing time and you're going to get to experience the energy of union and the amazingness. So reach out if you have any questions, you know how to reach us at Gold Ivy Health Co. And we we look forward to seeing you. And thank you for being here. I know, I'm so excited. I had so much fun. Thanks. Yes. All right, now it's time for our three gold stars. So one, take 30, I had 60 in here. I'm going to say 30 minutes in the morning. It is possible. Mm Mm-hmm. To get up that early for quiet reflection, journaling, prayer, or just some silence. Two, find your people. We all need to be accountable and we all need to be encouraged. So don't do it on your own. Three, be a light. The world needs you. The world needs us. And just brighten someone's day with the smallest of gestures. Love it. Love it. All right. Unleashing Ivy. These are our Surprise rapid fire questions. Rapid fire. First word or phrase that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) All right, Jen, what's the biggest lesson you've learned as a mom that you would pass on to a younger mom? Oh boy. (laughs) I would say, and I actually just told a friend this the other day, to try not to control all the little people. Mm. <laughs> Lighten up a little bit on the schedules and all the perfection you have in your head of how you want them to behave. I wish I would have lightened up a little more. I got there because um, now my sons are teenagers and you will be um, shocked and surprised at how much they're going to push you away <laughs> and say, please don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I think I wish I would have just lightened up a little bit and not had things tried to control. For Why is so that? Much. Just it, I think they've got their own, you can keep, you can guide them, give them those guide, those guardrails, but let them have an ice cream before dinner. Sometimes if the ice cream truck comes by or, you know, I always plan it out in my ice cream truck that we don't go by by dinner, but just, (laughs) and the dad thing, I was a little worried. My husband's a little wild and wanted him to do things that I thought were scary. And I thought, this is life. Mm -hmm. Let him do it. So now live a little, yeah, live a little, do it afraid, do it afraid. Well, and teach, teach them that to step out and be, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be a little fearless and you can try things. And so, yeah, 
give them some rope, I would say. Mm, I like it. Thinking about when you were in the midst of sobriety, what's one thing you wish you would have known during that specific time that you now know? Oh, boy. Um, I think I envisioned that it would get easier. But if I would have known then the joy I would have found and just the purpose in life, I, I would have gotten sober sooner. Mm. So no regrets. I don't look back. You know, there wasn't anything horrible that happened, but I do think sometimes, what if I would have gotten sober when I was 30? Mm-hmm. And you can't go back and redo it. Right. And it's that whole mm-hmm. butterfly effect where everything would have changed. Right. But once it was done, I just felt, I just felt free. And I, so now I think now, what are, is, are there things I'm not giving up or not trying where I'm going to look back 15 years from now and say, why didn't I do that sooner? Speaking of sooner, not sobriety, just life in general, what's one thing you wish you would have known sooner? Sooner. That, (laughs) this is funny. (laughs) I just think I probably would have tried to have kids a little earlier so that I wasn't heading into menopause (laughs) with two teenage boys. (laughs) Because having a 14 and a 16-year-old pubescent boys in the house while I'm having hot flashes... (laughs) It's not meant to be. They're supposed to be in college right now. <laughs> <laughs> or married with kids. That's awesome. Oh, I love having you here. You just talk all day. Well, as you know, we wrap up every episode with a piece of gold, a quote that speaks to you. Do you have one you'd like to share? I do. So one of my fave authors, this man spreads more joy and is all about love. He wrote a book called Love Does. Mm-hmm. Bob Goff is his name. In fact, I posted a quote from him the other day on my gym page and he liked it. So there we go. I know. Speaking of your Instagram, where can people follow you? They want to know more about Union. They want to get involved. Where can they find you? So at UnionFitMN is our Instagram and UnionFitMN.com is our website. And Facebook is, it's all MNs at the end. If you get Union Fitness and you add an MN, you're good. I love it. And now back to your piece of gold. So Bob Goff says, if we only do what we're familiar with, we might miss out on what we've been made for. This is Gold Ivy signing off. Listen to your truth and go chase your gold.